You're listening to Adopted Feels, a podcast about anything and everything adoption-related. In this episode, Hannah catches up with the Aussie Dining Club, a group of Korean-Australians in Seoul. Adoptees Blossom Periard and Meg O'Shea and Korean-Australian chef Peter Joe come over to Hannah's apartment for Korean-Chinese takeaway food and wine. The occasion is a farewell party. Yes, the beloved Meg is returning to Australia after two years in Korea. And yes, she celebrates that with a podcast discussion about home, belonging, race, and identity. Some of our favorite topics here on Adopted Feels. This is a loose, intimate conversation among friends. One who just arrived in Korea, one who's about to leave, one who has come and gone multiple times, who is more comfortable with disruption and change, and one who craves stability. They compare life in Korea versus Australia, Korean adoptee and Korean-Australian experiences, and whether they would scatter their own ashes in Korea or Australia. You know, the usual stuff. Before we get started, we'd like to mention two things. One, this is a group of Australians, so that means we need to issue a warning. This podcast contains strong language, as well as an abundance of Australian accents. Two, we'd like to thank our two new patrons, Jay Kaufman and Laurel. We are so grateful to you both and to all of our wonderful patrons. Your generosity really keeps us going, especially in these strange and really not much better than 2020 times. Thank you for your support. And thank you as well to everyone who has taken the time to get in touch with us, whether via comments or email or messages to give us feedback and encouragement. Please continue to slide into our DMs at any time. So thanks, guys, for coming over and chatting. Um, maybe we could all introduce ourselves briefly. Hi, I'm Peter. I'm, I was born in Sydney. Uh, I'm not an adoptee. My parents are both from Korea, and they migrated to Australia in the 70s, and I came to Korea 2020. Last year, like about six months ago. Yeah. Okay, and so your parents were some of the first uh, Korean migrants to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. In the 70s. Hmm, is that when it started? Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty late. Yeah. Like, literally, they were, like, some of the first Koreans yeah. to get to Australia. I've met two families that have been there older, like, longer than... Did they all go to Sydney? Yeah. Oh, no, sure. actually, I met one in Melbourne. The, the one went to Melbourne. One like family by I met. Himself. Yeah. <laughs> one, <laughs> I met one grandma that had been there longer <laughs> than my parents. But the, she was in Melbourne. So how many families went to Sydney? I don't know. Like, but how many, like, other families do you know that are, like... From, like from that generation, that time. Not much, maybe. Like one like, or two. No, no, like oh, from my my from like, the like same your time parents. Parents. Like came out in that time. That I'm not sure, but there's probably about twenty or thirty, I reckon, back then. Did they all go to Strathfield? Like no, they... it was before Strathfield. Oh shit. We were Camsey. Ah. It was after the Olympics. The Korean population blew up. Korean? Sydney Olympics. Oh, Sydney. After Sydney Olympics, there was definitely... Oh, they started, like, after 2000. Yeah, but there was a growth in population yeah, of all sorts. Yeah, but went to Burwood, right? Yeah. Mm. Okay, Boss, do you want to introduce yourself? I am an adoptee. I was born in Busan. I came to Australia when I was five months old, and I grew up in Adelaide. And I've been in Korea for about probably 10 years, cumulatively, <laughs> being uh-huh. back and forth between here and Australia. So you moved here for the first time when? 2005. Uh-huh. And then you moved back to Australia for a little bit. Yeah, so I was here for about a year and a half, and then I went back to Australia for two years. 
And then I just like accidentally came back here for like three years after that. And then uh-huh. it's just been like two, three year stints, but I've been here like six years now. <clears throat> Meg, in case people didn't listen to um, your previous interview with us, can you just briefly introduce yourself? Um, I'm Meg, I was born in Pyeongtaek, and I grew up in Sydney. I was adopted to Sydney when I was five months old. Oh no! Uh, wine pouring ASMR. Um, I came back to Korea in, at the beginning of 2019, so I've been here slightly over two years. Okay. Hmm. So, Pete, how did you feel about oh, being Korean um, and Asian growing up in Sydney? I hated it and loved it, back and forth. Mm. Can you explain that? <laughs> Can you elaborate? How do I explain that? I so, hated being Asian because mm-hmm. I was bullied, I guess. Uh-huh. Well, oh, no. First, I didn't know any white people. I went to preschool without even knowing ABC, from my memory. You went to, uh, like, preschool. a regular Australian preschool and you didn't speak English yet? No. Mm-hmm. And I'd never seen a white person, I don't think, because I lived at my dad's grocery store, and that was just Koreans. Yeah, and then, you know, I think I went back and forth from being white and Asian and hating the opposite, maybe like three, four times through life. You went back and forth between, like, identifying as... Yeah, I'd identify as a white, but Uh then I'd hate Asians. And then that will flip and I'll become Asian and then I hate whites. So when did you first start identifying as like more Aussie or like white? Because you, you said like most of your childhood mm. you felt you were like completely like Koreanized. Yeah. And was it was like in high school or something. I think like it was in high school. you started feeling like, oh, um, I've got to act more Aussie or like... No, I never thought I had to act more Aussie. I just thought I was Aussie. But your friends in high school were like Asian or white? Most of them were Asian. But then it went to whites and then it flipped again. But like, I think your, it was high what, like your friendship groups changed. I think it was high school. You were like uh, hanging out with Asians and you like hang out. Yeah, it was, it was all Asians like, and group. we hated white people. And then just before high school finished, I was like, hold up. Maybe I'll identify better with the whites. And I was like, So I'm what white. made you like identify with white people? Like, because it sounds like you had pretty like Asian. Nothing. Well, I, I, I kind of felt like in at the end of high school, I kind of felt like I had put racism on the table myself mm. by just going in with their racist fuck you and putting up my wall and taking everything as racism, I think. So, like, when you were, like, 17, you're like, hey, I'm just going to, like, expose myself. Yeah, I was like, so I'm so <laughs> I want to understand what it means. <laughs> no, it wasn't even that. I was like, maybe. I was like, I just thought, maybe I should start hanging out with white people. I started hanging out with them. I was like, oh, actually. Very conscientious yeah, decision like, as a 17 year old. I'm not really that racist. <laughs> I want to get And then I started talking to my Asian buddy saying, hey, they're not actually racist. Like, I think it's our fault. For Do you this. go to a public school? Yeah. Like maybe what was the breakdown of like ethnicity? My grade was about 50-50. Asian white? Yeah. Holy crap. And then it just became yeah, my, On my high school, That's I was the only Asian in my year. My first primary school was the only Asian. <laughs> yeah, my first that primary school crazy. was the only Asian. Did you, go, did you have Asians in your school? Yeah. Like a lot? Uh, not a lot, but a few. Yeah. The number. I had a handful and I avoided most of them. I hit everyone in my first primary school. <laughs> what? Because they teased me for being chinky and fat. I got angry. I had angry issues when I was young. Did you get in trouble? Yeah. Your parents I think it was a grade three or grade four. They called my parents and they're like, you need to remove your son from this school. Your child is violent. Yeah. And then I went to a public school from a Catholic school. So as a kid, you responded to racism by hitting the kids. Yeah. What about like, as you got older, how did you respond to it? Like, 
in high school, early high school, I think I just bullied the white people to protect myself from racism, or to be honest. Mm. I put up the front of racism and blamed racism and just bullied them. Do you feel like it was like <clears throat> maybe different for you as a guy, like an Asian guy? I can't a, like, speak for another. But did you have like female Asian friends? Yeah. Like, did they have the same experience? I never asked about them, but we all hated white people. Really? Yeah. Mm. So did they get bullied too, like in the same kind of Well, way? most of the people, Asians that I hung out with in high school, a lot of them were from like Bankstown, Cabra. Like Vietnamese. Yeah. And like, that's a different, dem- like my high school was in Surrey Hills. Yeah. I went to a selective school, so it was like geeks mm. and nerds and losers. Well, that's <laughs> real kind, Pete. Geeks. <laughs> How did you guys um, respond to racism like as a kid and throughout school? I don't know, but I guess like trying not to think about it. Like it wasn't until like partway through uni that I even acknowledged properly that I was Asian. So I'm just like, oh, you know, like does not compute. I can't like my brain can't handle this, so I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist. Like, mm-hmm. there's this thing that's upsetting me. I don't know why, <laughs> but, yeah. And I think when you're a child, or like, yeah, before you kind of understand that racism is a thing, you just pretend like it doesn't exist or it doesn't bother you. Yeah. But, to, like, to be <coughs> honest, I didn't... I feel like I didn't experience racism that much growing up. I think I, like once or twice like there were like maybe some bogans like driving past in a ute and like they yelled gook out the window and i was like oh (laughs) that's a bit unsavory but like and then like i guess in primary school like people like commented about my face was really flat and i was like Mm, same hmm thanks (laughs) okay and like even like my little white girlfriends were like yeah that's really racist and messed up and I was like, yeah, I guess it is, but, <laughs> but yeah, you kind of just, I think as a child, you just imagine that it's not really an issue. Yeah. Well, I mean, like to acknowledge something as an issue is to like have to deal with it. <laughs> so like, fuck doing that as a kid, like, you know, yeah, yeah. There was definitely no violence <laughs> involved in my response to racism. I think yeah, it was just a lot of denial. I think especially, like, if you can't necessarily, like, have those conversations, like, with your parents and your friends, then then where are you supposed to, like, get the tools to deal with it, mm. yeah, as a young person? How do you guys feel about racism in Australia now? Do you experience it? Like, I mean, so I guess m- most of us have only visited Australia in the last yeah. couple of years, yeah. Right before I left for Korea, uh, a few streets, a few blocks from my house this like neo-nazi affiliated group opened off like this clubhouse thing (laughs) and like another group affiliated with them started up putting started putting up like very like blatantly nazi posters around sydney like places like chatswood and stuff whatever fucking reason Mm. and like you know saying all this like fucked up shit about like you know eradicating like you know Jews, Indigenous people, Asians. So, yeah, like, I left Australia under that kind of climate. That clubhouse has since been shut down, but, like, in the process of that being investigated, it was also revealed they were, like, trying to more 
subtly influence politics and stuff by do you remember hearing about like them like a right-wing group trying to infiltrate the young nationals to influence like like more general politics no anyway that was happening when i'm left so i'm not sure what's happened since then i can only keep up with that remotely so yeah that's like my last i can't remember what your question was i'm very sorry (laughs) (laughs) did you guys feel um that australia was home did you feel a sense of belonging in australia growing up or you know as as a an adult before you came to korea yeah yeah i still do yeah i very strongly feel that australia is home yeah me too it's like you know it's your home it's your house mm-hmm. but it's also shit and you need to acknowledge the shitty parts of it yeah i feel i don't think i'm ever gonna feel like i understand a place like i do australia mm. like i feel like it's really part of who i am Australia and like I you know understand the the history the ethos the weird culture that we have whatever it is <laughs> like it's definitely like I understand it here I'm very kind of alienated from whatever the yeah I'm in like a bubble here in that case what keeps you here boss what has continually like brought you back here I mean I think I'm just the a creature of you know I need a lot of stimulation (laughs) and I mean as like weirdly introverted and homebody as I am I do like like to be in a place where I know that there's sources of stimulation and I feel like Australia is just like such a sleepy I don't know even in the cities it's just it feels really kind of parochial and sleepy and backwater (laughs) and like (laughs) Like, it's, it, being here, there's, it's just, yeah, there's, like, extra levels of, like, you know that there's always stuff going on. Like, there's, I don't know, people always talk about Korea as being dynamic, but it really mm-hmm. is. Like, there's, it's constantly changing. I think we're quite lucky in the sense that we get to be Australian here and, like, we're not kind of, like, subject to all the weird pressures that Koreans have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, we're in, like, kind of a sweet spot. So that's, I think that's why I keep coming back. Yeah. Do you think, like, um, blending in and not dealing with racism is also, like, a part of why you're here? I think that's, like, a byproduct of it, but not necessarily, like, my prime motivation for being Uh here. Like, I don't mind being in Australia and, like, having to be a bit more Aussie. (laughs) I guess. Like, well, that's fine. That's also a part of my identity. Like, here, I'm like some weird hybrid <laughs> creature. I don't know. <laughs> um, for, sorry, I forgot what the question was, too. <laughs> so, goddamn, why? <laughs> what keeps you here if you do feel that Australia is home? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also the practical consideration of the fact that I'm married to a person who's also from another country who's also Korean and he doesn't necessarily love Australia (laughs) so we tried to live in Australia and like that wasn't the best (laughs) like he didn't love it so and I, I just feel like I need to be considerate of that and not try to force him to be somewhere that he's not completely comfortable uh-huh. so and I mean Korea is just a nice you know middle ground and compromise uh-huh. 
Pete, what about you? Like, do you feel Australian? Did you feel at home in Australia? I think Australia was always a false sense of home for me. Like, yes, it is home, but there's no emotional attachment to that. Like, I None. Think, I think Korea is home for me, even mm. though I wasn't born here. Mm. But I think it's, like, it's definitely based on my personal experiences through my journey of identity mm-hmm. and discovering my identity through cooking Korean food. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, like, did you always have this sense that Australia was, like, a false home? No, I think that's just me tidying it up now. Well, post-chic. Your your restaurant, yeah. your Korean restaurant in Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. But no, I don't think I ever truly felt like like Australia was home. And that's because you, you just felt culturally more Korean or... No, I think it's... I don't know exactly what it is, but it's through learning Korean food I started building emotional attachment to my history whereas like whether it be my father my grandparents understanding them mm-hmm. and becoming relatable to them yeah like there's a lot of emotion in that for me especially having gone back and forth from believing I'm white to Asian and hating the opposite so many times um, but don't you have like those like sensory like associations with Australia like just like the smells the sounds like the food like you don't there's no like there's one thing I miss about Australia is good vegetables that's the only thing I miss right now good produce yeah Mm. because like when when I whenever I come home to Australia like just the smell of the air the sound of the birds just even like hearing like Australian accents like to me it's just like really grounding like I'm just like okay like this is like you don't have those kind of no I don't I have like what about like the beach like you don't feel like any kind of I don't think I do like I think it would be a different story once I go back and then yeah the beach is so these things. hot and sandy though you're from Melbourne <laughs> No, the beaches, the beaches are great. Like, the beaches the, are great. I mean, they're beautiful compared to Korean beaches. But... but I don't know. For me, everything... About, like, those sensory... Like, those emotional things that you're talking about, they come from Korea for me. Like, I could... Like, yeah, I'd be on a rice field and I'd feel at home. I'd be on a salt flat out in town, west coast, and I'd feel at home. Mm, okay. I find home is through my identity. And Korea speaks that to me. Mm. Even though these Koreans look at me and be like, you're not really Korean. Like, and, and this is, it's, just, it's the same, it's kind of the same experience. Like in Australia, Australia's but like, what about like the food? Really like what, like when you grew up, like all the food you ate, like Australian food that you grew up eating or like other that Asian food. That was delicious, that was great. Like, I, doesn't that like have a pull for you? No, it does, but it's not big. It's like Korean food's bigger for me. But maybe you grew up eating, did you grow up eating mainly Korean food? Like primary school, yes. High school, no. Restaurant industry. No, they were in the restaurant industry after high school. Oh, okay, okay. I grew up quite distant to my Korean background, considering that my parents had a Korean. Well, you had, did you eat meat pie and sausage roll at the canteen? My favorite. Food, my favorite was a salad sandwich. At salad the primary sandwich. School stand, with oh, the beetroot yeah. and the alfalfa sprouting yeah. 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 And a slice of cheese. Yeah. And a bit of mayo. So that, yeah, having said that, mayo. it's white as fuck. Yeah, I didn't grow up that attached to cream food. But you've discovered it later. Oh, I haven't had a salad sandwich in the longest time. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah. We should go to Fat Boy in Afgujong. Apparently, they do really good sandwiches. 
Yeah, but not like an Aussie Shitty style wipe. salad Not like sandwich. when there's like the, you know, like that glass window and then there's all like the little like containers and then the lady's oh. like, what do you want? There's a giant doll of alfalfa in the middle, and they've got to yeah, like, the press down the bread, like there's a I bit on the, the top. Alfalfa. And if you don't eat it within like yeah. ten minutes, like the beetroot's so through. I don't, you know, those like, like the alfalfa those like metal containers that they have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then she's got like she just yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys find this though, but you know, when I go um, into like really, really like Aussie establishments like that right like a really classic Aussie sandwich bar like especially if, yeah especially if it's like um, in like a country town or like an outer suburb mm. there is still this little part of me just a tiny little part that is is worried that I'm gonna get somehow challenged for not not being like Aussie or like not not belonging in that space and it just always happens in those in a Australian country. Sandwich country. shop in a country. You know, yeah. It happens more in do, town. Do you feel that? Do you I guys like also feel that? Town. I don't know. I feel that actually, you know, you might have a point. Like some places like super wanky bars in the inner west are often like very white. I don't feel like I'm going to be openly challenged though. But like the times I've been to like pubs in towns out of Sydney and stuff, mm-hmm. that's where I felt like particularly self-conscious because there's always like, you know, a bunch of old blokes who get there at like, 10 a.m. in the morning, like sitting up the front, like, ah, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> Carlton, please! I'm gonna sit in the back. Mate, you ain't saying right, it's Carlton. It's ah, a Carlton, please! One of your finest drafts, yeah. <laughs> it just makes me a bit sad, though, because it's like, I think, I wonder if I'll always have that. I mean, nine times out of ten, nothing happens. There's no, like, little look. There's no little hesitation or um, Um, even suggestion of, like... I think we've just become, like, self-conscious and paranoid and self-protective. But, I mean, like, being in a... Sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. There you go. No, I don't know what I was going to say. Well, you're going to say because why? We've become self-conscious and self-protective because... Because, like, there's been, like, those, like, you know, like instances of someone asking or commenting on our English skills or, I don't know, asking where we're from or something, where mm-hmm. we're like, oh, you know. But, I mean, yeah, I think in, like, 98% of cases, like, people don't even bat an eye. Like, it's just... Yeah. They don't care. But we're, we've become... We, like, we've built up a defence, I guess, and we're, like, constantly on... on but it's also the, the scope of racism is so wrong. Racism has been like racism in most people mind people's minds is physical and verbal abuse, yeah. whereas racism goes beyond that. Like, yeah, that's racism itself. But people are like, no, I'm, it's not being racist. I'm genuinely interested where you're from. I don't know. Like whenever I walk into a place where there's not a lot of like I don't know people of, like any sort of ethnicity other than white. It's white and ethnicity. Anyway, no people of color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No people of color. I'm always like, okay, so like. I don't know what has informed the ideas people around me might have of people who look like me. Do they have any friends Mm. who look like me who might be able to, like, convey to them, like, the idea of, like, me as a person rather than me who is, like, the one person, like, the one family in the one Chinese shop in town that, like, serves its, like, honey chicken with a knife and fork? Or, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I get... 
I get I get like overthinky to that extent because like I'm I always like to go into a place and be like oh you know I'm Meg instead of just mm. being like oh it's like an Asian person with all of these whatever associations you've drawn, drawn mm. from whatever like very limited like media mm. depiction you've been exposed to or like whatever thing whatever like racist politicians being like fucking like walking <laughs> like their next the next you know election campaign or whatever like I like to know like you know. But, like, do you think, like, when I was saying racism was inflicted, like, I put up the racist wall and dealt with, I just assumed everything was racist. Mm. Do you so, think- kind of like a, a preemptively offensive wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I don't know. I feel like the minute you let your guard down, the minute, like, I don't know, like, you know, perfectly nice day in your workplace. <laughs> then, like, someone calls you the name of, like, the one very different-looking but one other Asian person in your whole workplace. You're like, fuck. I've been here for, like, four months and I've talked to you multiple times and you still can't tell the difference between me and the... And the other Asian. Yeah, the one way hotter, so very flattering Asian girl in, like, my workplace. Or, like, you know, like, you're having a nice day, having a chat to an old lady when you're working at a cafe, and then she's like, Meg can't be your real name. What's your real name? You're like, oh shit, I was having a great day and I'm suddenly reminded of how you see me and how other people might see me regardless of like how happy and chatty. And we were like having a really nice moment before that. Are these kinds of things um, partly crossing your mind as you prepare to go back? Oh yeah, shitloads, yeah. So Meg, you've been here for two years and you're going back next week and we're all very sad and you can't have a proper goodbye because of COVID. (laughs) What are some of the things that, um, I mean, what have you been reflecting on here in your preparation to leave? I don't know. Like, like Bloss said, there there is always a lot to do here, which is good, but I don't know. I've mostly just been feeling like I should have done more or like I've failed to do a bunch of shit but I don't know what that shit is so that's the main thing I've been feeling also like trying to work out what I want to do with the last bit of my time here because I'm just so tired and I need to get so much paperwork done so (laughs) yeah can I ask you about your birth family search were you able Uh, to do this I mean like yeah it's not enough time for the stages out to do anything more so Mm. yeah to be honest, like, if there was, like, one specific thing I'd want to do is, like, do something in that regard, but mm-hmm. I can't, so... Because there's not enough time. Yeah. Mm. But the, you see yourself maybe coming back. Yeah, definitely at some stage. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure in what capacity. I'm quite uncertain about what I'm going to do when I get back to Australia. And I think that kind of uncertainty is colouring a lot of my feelings right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can always escape to Korea. <laughs> it's I mean, always here. Not really with COVID, though. I mean, like, you know, like, before COVID started, I'm like, oh, yeah, if someone I care about in Australia gets sick, I can just, oh, like, yeah. jump Once on a train there, and pop back. You can't leave, yeah. can you? Train, plane. No, you can still leave. Go- no, you've got to, like, apply to leave Australia. Once yeah, you- it's easy. For you, it'll be easy. You get your F4 visa, that gives you the two-year visa, and you just get someone to write you a fucking bullshit letter that's saying you're employed and done. Boom, you're out. It was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Okay. (laughs) Do you want to employ me? (laughs) Well, so since you've lived here now, like this last stint has been six years. Mm -hmm. 
Is it hard to see people come and go? Particularly adoptees come and go. Not really. I mean, yeah, it sucks when your friends leave. It definitely sucks when your friends leave. But I don't think that it's a particularly, like, unique experience to career or being an adoptee. Like, I think people just come and go in, like, all contexts. Like, if you're living overseas, even if you're living in your own city, like, people just get up and move. Yeah, but they don't leave with the same frequency that they do in the adopted community in Korea. Are you just you're just used to it? I don't know. Or maybe I'm just not as bothered by it. I mean <laughs> I just see it as like I don't necessarily see it as like a discontinuation of the friendship just because they move away. Mm-hmm. It's like you've made a friendship and if if it's worthwhile you'll continue it. But I mean your friendships have they changed a lot, say in the last Six years, like, as people have come and gone. I mean, look, let's face it, Hannah, I don't have many friends. <laughs> I can count my close friends on one hand. So, yeah, look, no. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so... I don't really have a wide circle, so... <laughs> really, people coming and going doesn't affect me too much. Okay. <laughs> I mean, have you, have you been able to, um... Have you been good at keeping in contact with... The friends that have left? Yeah. I mean, I'm a person of few verbal words and many written words, so I'm good at keeping in touch okay. <laughs> via chat and all that stuff. I mean, even, like, this year, I feel like... So Meg is one, and then two, three... I feel like I have at least two other close friends who are planning to leave at some point this year. I know, it's just, like... I like my friends to, like, just stay put um, geographically, but also, like, I like those friendships to just, like, stay really emotionally stable as well and just, like, not change. Because, like... This feels like a very, like, adopty idea. I know. (laughs) It's also also because I moved around a lot, right, when I was, you know, and I just kind of, like, crave um, stability in in my relationships, I think. So I, I find it, like... A bit, yeah, a bit daunting that, like, all these people are leaving this year. Yeah, I think that's always bothered you. Like, you've always, like, that's always been, like, front of mind for you, losing the stability of friendships here. But I I feel like you just have to reframe it as, like, I'm not losing a friendship. It's just, like, the friendship's, like, moving to a different format. (laughs) I'm gaining a couch to stay on in another country. Like a cow chat format. (laughs) No, I mean, yeah. It depends, you know, you can... Yeah, and you'll meet another person. Not exactly, the absence of that friend I'm makes room for a new friend. i chat person. That's true. You seem pretty good. That's true. You're, you're not oh, good thanks. On, you're not good on the couch. <laughs> you're always on top of it. You're always like... No, I'm not. No, no. no. She's, she's terribly unresponsive. <laughs> I thought you were Usually, no, I just leave. It's like, oh, it's like, oh, I wake up and I'm like, oh, I've got like two or three people to get back to. Okay, well, I just won't message you anymore. I'll just wait no, joking. <laughs> Everyone, don't message her. <laughs> Actually, I was going to say, this is probably, like, quite irrelevant, but, Pete, it was very, very meaningful to me when you offered to be, like, my go-to Korean-speaking person to, um, like, help me out at any hour. <laughs> if you need it, I'm here. I don't think you realise, like, how meaningful that was. Okay. What do I have to say? I don't, I don't know. 
Because, like, I, I really felt, like, very... I Like, I often feel very vulnerable living in Korea mm-hmm. on my own. Yeah. Not speaking Korean. Yeah. That's why I said, if you oh. need to call someone, I'm there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that... I don't... I didn't realize that it's... No, I... It's... I don't think it's a big deal. Uh-huh. But, like, for me, coming to Korea, live, like, living abroad, mm-hmm. per se, for the first time in my life. Mm, you know, really? Having met so many people that lived abroad, all these Korean kids that I know in the hospitality industry, I never realized how hard it was for them. Because mm. mm, mm. like, for me, I speak English, I speak Korean, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. like, being in Korea, it's not lonely, but there is this isolated element to it. Mm-hmm. And like every kid that I've known since Australia that I'm still in touch with, I'm like, I've actually just, I, I just spent my time to acknowledge you guys had some balls. Like you guys must have been, like it must have been a hard time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I actually mm. now understand how much you put on the line to actually go to this random country that you don't even speak the language of mm. and you work your ass off to learn your trade and then come back here. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that was part of it as well. Like having realized it myself, because like it wasn't hard for me, but it's still it's not easy. There's a lot of transitioning. Thinking, In coming to Korea from Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Even uh, even and I for speak you. The language yeah. Comfortably. Yeah. Oh, oh fuck yeah! It's a transition. So. Yeah, like the, it's still a different place and a different yeah. vibe and a different wavelength. Everything's different. Mm. Yeah. So it's just like realizing these kids, like wow, mm-hmm. they were fucking. Yeah, I think it's like I feel like for me it's it's this kind of. Um, immigrant experience or something that I'm having for the first time in my life like so it gives me a new yeah empathy for for that uh for that immigrant experience of like yeah just not speaking the language and not having many connections and um not knowing the culture very well and yeah it's tough yeah earlier today I stood at the wrong counter of a goo office for 15 minutes with two different groups of old women like going ahead of me because, like, some lady who checked my temperature had pointed me to the wrong section. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. real estate? Okay, I guess I get my family for mm. certificate through real estate. But I feel like people like, here are much more helpful and, like, understanding than, like, if you fucked up in a government department in Australia. Like, Yeah, well, at least, like, they I were. knew I could read the sign that said real estate because it was in, like, fucking English. And I'm like, oh, maybe this is the but right Korea, spot. Korea has changed a lot the past, like, ten years or so. You came here ten years ago, it was not fucking English-friendly. Mm. Yeah, but I feel like people would just, like, you know, like, cut corners and help you out, you know, if, you've, if you'd fucked up because you didn't understand Korean. But I feel like in Australia, if the same parallel situation happened, people would just be like, nope. Nah, mate. You number seven. You're, no, you're in the wrong line. No. You mean yeah. there's like less tolerance, maybe of like non-English speaking exactly. people? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's because English has this position as kind of like a you know, global economic language. Mm-hmm. So like... Okay. Final questions. So, how long do you think Not you like... plan to stay here, <laughs> Bloss, oh, Bloss, yes. and Pete? I'm here for a good long time, I reckon. Yeah, forever. Is I don't like having to put a number on it. Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm here for a reason, mm-hmm. and it's to further my career you know, as a Korean representative of Korean food. I don't know if that's the right word. Mm-hmm. Like, I want. I'm here for the purpose of hopefully playing some role in elevating this, elevating Korean food on the global cuisine 
landscape. Like Korea's down near the bottom still, unfortunately. And Korea definitely deserves People are slowly learning, right? Like, oh, what Panchan is. Slowly like, learning. No, they just cook extent. gochujang and everything, and they're yeah, like, oh, like, it's Korean. Yes, they're slowly learning, <laughs> but like they just appropriate. Yeah. It's just, oh, I but, used gochujang. It's yeah, I'm putting Korean. kimchi in it, so it's Korean. Yeah. I'm oh, look, I put it. Vegemite on my fucking peach. It's fucking Australian, mate. <laughs> that sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> you know, like... Nick! <laughs> and, like, that itself is racism. Like, people exploiting... Like, they're not acknowledging uh-huh. the truth of a, a, the history, okay. you know. And Korea yeah. definitely has a big go- scope of history within our culinary history. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Koreans don't know that. Like, no, they don't know. They don't not know it. They haven't needed to look at it. Mm. Mm. Uh, what about you, boss? You're not sure how long you'll stay? Yeah, no, I'm not sure. Um, but no plans to leave at this point? No plans to leave at this point. You have to tell me at least a year in advance, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So you can, like... <laughs> so, just, like... So you can, like, gradually distance okay. yourself from me. <laughs> Cut off our friendship. No! <laughs> I cut you off. You didn't leave me. I cut you off. We're, we're beyond that now. <laughs> no, I, I envisage myself here for at least another couple of years and then I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, it's too hard to put. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm here for the rest of my life. But having said that, I don't know if I... I'm definitely not going to be here for the rest of my life. Like, that's... <laughs> Like one hundred percent, I can't see myself. Being I definitely here. want to be buried in the mountains here. Which mountains? Any of these Korean mountains. Yeah. You've got a lot to choose from, dude. Are you gonna have you like one of those on. mounds? No, no, no. I'm, I'm gonna be cremated. Just put in the earth. Yeah, half in the earth, half in the ocean. It's got to be in Korea. Oh, okay. It's got to be in Korea. I feel like it's a very particular type of person that like imagines where they're gonna be buried and like how you know. I feel like I don't want to. Like, weirdly, I feel like I would want my ashes in Australia, not here. Oh, I don't fucking I think, know where like, I want them. Even, even I, don't, like, I don't feel at home in either place, so I don't know where I want them. <laughs> Does it matter like, where I the think, remnants of your body are? Yeah, let's do a quick survey. Spirit. Where do we want our ashes laid? Australia oh. or Korea? Korea! <laughs> fucking Korea! If, I mean, like, you know, if you're dead, then you're separate from your body. So why not have my dead body used for some sort of fantastic prank, wherever, wherever it's needed? Yeah, I mean, like you need I a don't dead. Know if a dead body's ever needed for a prank, though. But uh, well, no. Imagine how amazing that prank would be if you had like a genuine dead body. <laughs> uh, well, but if you hang if on, you, what you, have you would rather your body be used for a prank than for like medical research. Oh, for medical <laughs> research, either <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're dead. But Both if, of equal value. Okay, but so. After the prank or after the medical research, if your final remains are cremated, where would you like them to be scattered or, you know, laid to rest? In the Tibetan mountains. Thrown in the face of someone I hate. I really don't care. Like, I feel like maybe that's the most That's fucking dark. I don't know. I think it's interesting, though, like, yeah, if you had to choose like between Korea and Australia, I I really don't know where I would choose. I would definitely choose Australia. I don't th- I don't think I would choose here, but it's quite interesting though. Like it's it also out the three of us, the answers have also been related to how we identify. 
Mm. Like Australia's home, Korea's home, and you're. I don't know. Yeah, I'm like lost. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but like, okay, I could conceivably see like my my remains being here, and like, you know, if it served like some later purpose, like you know, he lays the body of an adoptee who returned to this country to acknowledge the fact that a shitload of us came from here or something. Like mm. that'd be. That'd be like kind of productive. Some kind as of, productive as a great prank. Some kind of political <laughs> statement. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I want to see this prank play out, Meg. <laughs> Meg, in what ways do you think you will? Uh, I don't know. Try to stay connected with Korea once you go back. Have you thought about that? I haven't actually. I mean, like realistically speaking, if like things go to shit in Australia, the first time something shitty's happened shitty happens I'll probably be thinking oh shit I want to go back to Korea uh, but aside from that like no kind of like concrete anything I normally just wing you things. go to Pete's parents restaurant like Pete's parents <laughs> restaurant I always want to go there <laughs> it's solid it's good it's good for Australia it's fucking appropriated as fuck <laughs> Pete what if you Listen to this podcast. They're never, they're never gonna listen. He knows I hate his food. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I guess they're never gonna listen to this podcast. It's not appropriated. Korea's cuisine to me today is a very fucking shitty representation of Korean food. Okay. It's a very shallow Western influenced. Look, if she wants to go and get a dose of bibimbap, <laughs> she can do oh, that. Oh, a right. jigger. Yeah, no, it's still Korean. I it's did, still Korean. Actually, I think the twenton jigger at your father's restaurant was like really tasty from memory. It's no, like, it's good, but it's yeah. just like it's just a shallow representation mm. of our cuisine. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Adopted Feels Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Adopted Feels. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. <laughs> I'm dead. It doesn't matter. I only have value as the like the kind of grotesque remains of an ex-human being. Or like, like where do you think your soul would like go to rest? Well, I mean, like once my dad, the minute I was technically dead, my soul would have been placed in another being being born right so ah, Buddhist. not up to me oh, really? I don't know I don't would I... you be a plant or an animal or a human then <laughs> okay this is good okay. <laughs> I don't know I don't know like I don't... a cactus oh I'd love being a cactus I think Meg would do well as a cactus yeah oh thank you yeah I don't know I don't like, like one of those like real like you know like the traditional like like with the you know oh like a like yeah. a like yeah. a fork with a yeah tree. yeah yeah, yeah. Like the, sewer, like the ones that get really cactus. tall. Yeah. They get really tall. Like seven feet tall or something. Yeah.